Welcome listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to Season 4 and the 87th episode of the Practice Learning Teams podcast show. Today is slightly different. I want to have a chat to you about an event that's being held in Phoenix, Arizona on May 9th and 10th of 2023. It's called Safety Worlds Collide. And it's myself, Jay Allen, and my safety brother, Sam Goodman, the hop nerd. And the true notion of Sam, get ready for a wild ride as we dive into real-world applications, practical solutions, and innovative ideas. And the best part, you'll be in good company. We'll be there with a group of people. We're not there to tell you. We're not there to speak to you. We're there to share with you war stories and help you walk away feeling part of a larger safety community. We're going to raise the bar. Day one is all about the future of safety and performance organizations. We'll be looking at current trends around human operative performance, and we'll be talking about building high performance learning teams. And day two, we'll be exploring innovations in safety technology, the role of culture in organizational safety, measuring the impact of safety programs, and building a safety centered workplace. As we said before, this is about you participating. We're not gonna drown you with PowerPoints. We're gonna be there working with you on real world problems. So please enjoy this episode with Sam as we explore a range of topics that we wanna bring to you. And it's gonna be a hell of a ride. What about a first time events? Uh, I I love the title, the safety worlds collide. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have to, we, we, since, since he's not here, I guess we'll, we'll have to give him credit. But I think, I think Jay actually birthed that idea and it was, love it, right? I mean, I was like, yeah, that's, that sounds right to me. Wow. I just, I feel like I need to have a pseudonym because you're the hot nerd. <laughs> I, I could just be the learning teams guy. That's easy. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. We need, yeah, we, we need, we need to think of what, something what, else. What do we call Jay? What, Dr. Change? Okay. Maybe, yeah. Doctor, we can't call There's... him a love doctor. That'll be a whole different situation. <laughs> different. That's a different conference. Um... <laughs> that's the next thing. You know, when you when you really think about it, though, if you if you think outside into the greater kind of community of what it is that we get to do. I mean, everyone has a nickname and you're lacking of a nickname. So we're going to have to put some thought into this. I don't know that we're going to solve it right here. Well, you... I, I, I annoy Ron Gant because Ron, Ron likes to rhyme and Brent doesn't rhyme. <laughs> and I keep challenging him to come up with a rhyme. So if you're listening in, Ron, come up with a rhyme. There you go. That's what, that's what we yeah. need. <laughs> yeah. And of course, no. um, when we're in Australia, the Australians always try and shorten all your names. So it doesn't shorten either. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's true, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's got to be something. There's got to be something out there that, that somebody can come up with. So the I guess where I'm going with this is your email inbox is about to be flooded 
with nicknames. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. So it's uh, author at learningteamsinc.com. There you Bring go. Bring there you it go. <laughs> but hey, look, I, I think that I think the concept, once again, you know, in, in this journey, we're, we're all trying to help organizations do better things. Yeah. And, you know, I keep reminding people um, the, the, the absence of harm has got nothing to do with uncontrolled risks being present in everyday work. Yeah. And how we get there um, can be varied. And, you know, the fact is, you know, the type of work that you're doing is, is true to the fact that we're wanting people to not only think about safety differently, but also how to practice safety differently. Right, yeah. Because there is no one true way or one true method or one true approach that's going to do that. Because you've got, you know, you've, you're always going to have a safety system or a system of work mm. that's always going to be brittle by its nature. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got people who, who are dynamic by their nature. And then you've got the work itself, which is dynamic. And so when I think about, you know, safety worlds collide, <laughs> sorry, pardon me, for the people in the front line, there's safety worlds colliding every day. Yeah. Yet somehow, they're adapting to that and they're being successful. Yeah, yeah. So I see Phoenix as actually being a celebration. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's, that's the big takeaway for me is that it's that... I love the way that you put that. You know, I hadn't thought about that to this point yet, but this idea that, you know, those safety rules are colliding every single day with folks out there just trying to get GSD, you know, just folks out there getting stuff done every single day. And they're colliding against a lot of times systems that they're having to overperform, systems that are having to make do and adapt their way around, sometimes yeah. veer completely away from just to make something happen. Right. So I think that's, that's a really interesting point that you bring up because, again, I, I hadn't thought about it in that perspective yet, but that, that's a really, really great point. And then to your point, I think it is a celebration. It's a celebration that we all have unique approaches. And that's that's what I think is great. All unique approaches founded in some some really important principles, I believe, is kind of the, the, the kind of the key underlining piece of that or underlying piece of that. Um, but that those things come together and we just have a really great conversation. That's the way that I've been, as people have contacted me about this event, that's kind of the way that I've been talking about it is it's kind of a safety conference with like an asterisk beside of it. It's like not a conference. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. it's, it's it, to me, I keep talking to people. It's just, this is going to be a really big involved conversation. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get together and, and have a really great conversation. And that's the part that I'm looking forward to. I don't know about you, but that's my favorite part of this whole thing is exactly what we're getting to do right now. And especially if we can do that in a larger scale of sitting down and having that conversation and talking through these things, I think that's 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 the magic stuff. Yeah, and look, the great thing is they will come along with their stories. Mm -hmm. You and I are really lucky. We've seen hundreds of stories Yeah. in what yeah. we do. So it is a conversation. They're not being talked to. They're not being talked at may not necessarily be a big group loving, but it is going to be where we're going to try and dig deeper into those things. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we, we have this thing at the moment, we're calling it the Trojan Mouse, which is, you know, don't try and create the transformational change 
uh, create that staircase from the front line, work it up, mm -hmm. prep the leaders from the top down. Okay, because that staircase is going to come together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, just that whole notion of understanding how an everyday normal work, we can actually affect change that not only enriches those that face the risk, helps them to better understand and to learn from that, but can also create operational improvement that improves bottom line, profitability, operational time, quality, production, yeah. all the other stuff that people want. Yeah. So, well, how, how often have you seen that? And I think we're, I know I'm guilty of that. We, we all get a bit guilty of that because we, we've, we're drawn in or have been drawn in by the allure of safety and safety is often a catalyst that brings a lot of this thought into an organization. But how often have you seen that, right? It kind of starts, we start having this air quotes here for anybody that's listening, just safety conversation around hop stuff, safety differently, whatever we want to call it. And we start to do some of that. And then quickly everyone else in the organization doing everything else is like, Hey, I'm, can I get some of that? That, that sounds so to your point, it's just overall it's strategies to betterment, really, you know, of just making things better overall. You start to see that growth take place pretty rapidly. Once it, once an organization gets a taste of doing things, I won't even say safety, just doing things a bit differently, rooted, again, rooted in those principles, we start to just see learning kind of go to the max, right? Yeah. We start to see this innovation start to kind of go to the max. And we, especially because we're tying that into learning from the folks that understand it the best, right? And not only learning from them, but starting to understand how things actually happen within our work worlds. We've, a lot of times, we've held a lot of assumptions about how we assume things have gotten done in the past and how often is that accurate? It, very rarely, right? So we're starting to see all those holes. We're starting to see all those opportunities for, uh, as you said, it, it can be growth in anything that we want to see growth in, betterment in anything that we want to see betterment in. I have rarely, if ever, seen a true... Um, an organization that is truly on their hop journey, just say, no, no, that's just safety stuff. I've never seen that happen. No, I've never, ever no. seen that happen in my head. No. <laughs> it's, Look, the value of it's quickly realized. And if, if you're just trying to contain it to safety, risk, quality kind of stuff, you're, you're kind of wasting some of your investment, right? You're, you're yeah. kind of, you're kind of squandering a lot of, a lot of that investment because it goes far and wide or should go far and wide. And I, I think the challenge organizations have is, how to make it sustainable practice. Right, yeah. Yeah, because um, I see it all every day uh, with people saying, you know, look, I don't think I can facilitate a learning team very well, okay? We all have the capacity or the capability to actually have a conversation, have a talk. Yeah, yeah. But throwing someone in the deep end and saying, just do it, yeah. isn't the answer. No, no. So we need to give we need to give people some sort of uh, roadmap uh, pathway, um, and, and that's why for for us the whole four Ds thing was mm -hmm. a great way to start a conversation. I've never ever had someone say to me, "I can't share a story about something that was dumb, dangerous, difficult, or different." Right. It's never right. happened. Yeah, yeah. Normally, what happens is you get overwhelmed with stories. Yeah. And yeah. Well, then, yeah, it's 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 similar. It's similar to any of those kind of mechanisms, right? When we when we talk about using a, a learning team, especially in kind of a, maybe formal or informal kind of setting of a learning team, right? 
once organizations kind of get a grasp on that, they it's really easy for them to spiral into learning team crazy, right? Yeah. And you you know you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, it's like you still have finite time and resources. Let's remember this. <laughs> let's let's do these where they matter. Right? Yeah. So it's, and, and to I your point, that, it's almost overload rather rather than rather than the opposite is. of that. And, and that's why, and you know, one of the things that I'll be talking about is that we can't use our traditional intervention approaches, yeah. whether it be hop or normal stuff, it doesn't matter. You, you can't be everywhere every time. Yeah. And there's that difference between control <laughs> and there's a difference between that and there's that listening, mm-hmm. identifying those, the peaks or those patterns of those weak signals. And then doing that deeper understanding using a learning team. Yeah. Because you can learn anywhere at any time. Um, and, and we've been talking about the concept of, of what we call targeted learning. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the projects we've been working on is how to make visible the transparency between blue line, black line. And how, in, in particular, we have this gap between residual risk and normal work. And our systems are focusing on looking at all the stuff up until residual risk. But what do we do with that bit that's left over? Right. And and that's what we're doing a lot of work around the four Ds. Not only can tell us if those critical steps or those critical controls can work or not, but what's happening in that gray space? Yeah. And, and one of the themes, and, and what we're seeing, Sam, is that those weak signals that we see in those themes, they come and go. It's yeah. like a game of whack-a-mole. Right, You're, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Okay. They don't <laughs> yeah. go away, because there's, con- there's this thing that safety people think their job is to fix stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and I don't have a problem saying, Let, let's, let's build better defenses, let's build a better system. But those weak signals will keep coming. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, and I think you see that, right? Because there's there's a couple things at play there that I think that folks that are kind of on that find and fix mission and whether that's something that they've picked up themselves, a lot of times I've seen that be, be kind of organizationally induced, not to go too deep down the practitioner rabbit hole, but that's some of my nerd space, right? Yeah. Um, I think that you see that practitioners embracing that role a lot of times as the safety fixer because, uh, or just a fixer in general, right? Um, in a lot of ways. Uh, that's because I don't know that the organizations really have a better definition of what a practitioner should be doing. And that's something that's really easy for them to see and measure of their, of their air quotes, again, effectiveness, right? So I've got a list of 20 things that my safety practitioner fixed last week. That's good. If they do seven, that's bad. If they do none, they're fired. You get, you kind of get where I'm going. There's, there's a bit of that, that we can see it. We can uh, visibly see it. We can observe it. We can measure it. So I can measure performance. And that's the only way that I know how to define the role of a practitioner, right? So that's kind of the way that we're, we've been doing that. And then you have the practitioner just going, well, that's my expectation. That's what I need to be doing. Obviously, we're going to meet those expectations because we want to remain employed, even if it's not the most uh, effective use of our time, yeah. right? So I, th- I think you've got that, that kind of piece that feeds into that. But the other point that I was going to make there is that um, anyone that has ever seen, and I'm assuming here, but I think it is a pretty good pretty good gamble to say that everyone that's listening to our conversation is probably very well familiar with heavy industrial sites or mm-hmm. very, very well familiar with, with large organizations that do probably some scary stuff. 
I think yeah. that's probably the majority of, of our audiences, Brent. If I had to, if I had to guess, um, if they didn't have the uh, the opportunity for catastrophic outcomes or seriously not good things happening, we would they probably listen to something way more interesting than you and you and I, I would bet. Um, but as soon as you right the ship, so to speak, as soon as you fix that one thing, it instantly starts to degrade. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, to your point of whack-a-mole, right? There's, there's an infinite number of things that you can't fix. And as you fix them, they automatically start turning to crap again. Right. So I think to your point, there's, it's this idea of just find and fix. There's an element of that maybe that exists within that role um, of helping to consult to those folks to help them find things or things to look at to maybe fix. But I think there's a difference between finding and fixing and finding and actually making things better. Yeah, right? Because workers are having to find fix anyway. Yeah, exactly. Cause, right. Cause if, if this was in Holland, they're, they're at the dike, you know, plug in, plug in the leaks. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're doing Constantly. the whole time. Yeah. Uh, in between something called productivity and something else. But that, right. that's, that's, that's what they're doing all the time. <laughs> right. Um, and if I think about, you know, and maybe during our two days, we can talk about the role of of a modern safety practitioner because yeah. because I think they've got multiple roles. I mean, I think about it from terms that they have a risk and assurance role because the system, the, the organization has said that this is our system for managing risk. So there's an assurance part around that because risk management says that you know, um, we put these things in place on a whole set of assumptions. Mm -hmm. We need to understand those assumptions because those assumptions change. Right. Their, their role is also that of actually enabling continuous improvement <laughs> because risk management says that things change. Yeah. So we need to yeah. understand change. And use the word understand change. It doesn't say fix change. Right. Because it says we need to look for the opportunities for improvement. Mm. Now, that's a really interesting language. Not fix, not right. blame, not punish. Yep. And then there's the human component. Exactly. Yeah. Which is how do we get how do we get workers um, engaged the front line that helps them to build knowledge and understanding? Because building knowledge and understanding actually helps to improve our lives. Yeah. As, yeah, as people, you know, yeah. curiosity, all those wonderful things. So, so this is not, you know, going the front line, identifying who needs more training. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and that's that's one that stands out because I've I've been having that conversation quite a bit recently around um, training, right? And I won't I yeah. won't dive too far down this rabbit hole. But what's what's the uh, what's the old quote? Um, you train dogs, not people, right? <laughs> and so I've been having this really great conversation around so much so much workplace training in general tends to just read procedures at people and yeah. it doesn't really do much to actually grow competency right when when growth of competency is really what we're seeking we want to render folks highly competent right or help to render them highly competent and in a lot of the particular work that i do it's rendering multiple levels throughout an organization highly competent in critical risks sure. right? and critical risk controls as we we're kind of saying so there is a piece of that right but again, I, yeah, as you mentioned, training. As soon as I, as soon as the organizations start talking training with me, I kind of get that little like, almost involuntary, kind of like gag reflex. Yeah. Well, look, I, I even think the word, um, I, I even I think the word competency is so overused. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I look at it through the lens of we want we want to give we want people to have capacity, right, and we want them to have capability. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because competency is something something else. <laughs> yeah. And and sadly, in some of the work that I do around, you know, fatalities, um, like if I do, when I do work in the forestry sector, none of those people were lacking with qualifications or tickets, right? Or you know, educational thing. None of that was lacking. Yeah. So I go back to it and saying, you know, what was their capacity in that work? Because they were always running at those margins. Mm -hmm. And what was that capability to understand? that yeah so and and those are non-technical skills that help us so we'll be having a good chat about uh what well, i'm really keen to have a good chat um during those two days that our systems are forcing people to evaluate and assess but evaluation assessment doesn't actually create learning we want people to be able to critically appraise yeah. the system. You know, we talk about we want people to be able to critically think. Well, how does it actually happen? Mm. Like, you don't set them on a course to critically think. Right, right. So right. I'll be keen to, to, to share and, and show people different organizational approaches where we've actually used the power of humans, the power of working in a team, the power of a system to actually build that capacity and that capability. And people, I mean, you know, we talk about um, speak up or speak in. Uh, I've got to tell you, I don't know how organizations actually know how to listen. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, speaking up is, is another bullshit word for reporting. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Don't put the load on them. Okay. Work out how as an organization can I listen? Yeah, well, exactly. It's it's to me to me it's no different than any of those other kind of you based campaigns that organizations tend to migrate towards. I, from my mindset is some of it's because I don't know that they recognize that there's anything else they can do. <laughs> some of it probably from the idea that it's well. It really is their responsibility. I, I don't know, right? There's there's probably a hundred different reasons we could dive into why they why they gravitate towards those particular approaches. I think there's an element of ease to that as well, right? That kind of falls into what it's back to things I can actually put my hands on and do. I can do that. I can send that email. I can print those posters. I can hang those things up. On oh the yeah, wall. I, like you know, use your voice. Yeah, well, it's no different than see well, something, they, say something. They, they right? haven't, um, I haven't employed mutes in the business. Right. Okay. People won't use their voice if they feel they're not listened to. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, it's it's no to me, all those kind of things fall in the same bucket that I'd probably place, same similar bucket that I'd place something as stop work, that I'd place some of those other things, right? That's just very down to the end user, that it's a choice that you're making to air, basically. Right. If you choose to not sure. stop, if you choose to not say something, you chose to do that thing. Right. Well, it, this, it tends to go in that direction more yeah. than anything that I would consider to be positive. And this might upset some hot people, but that there is cause and effect in that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if, if you can't listen, <laughs> yeah, people won't share. That's pure cause and effect. Of course. Yeah, of course. That, that's not well, complex. I, it's, it's, it's very similar. It's very similar to the conversation that we have. Um, around trust and a very a new a very a very popular buzzword of psychological safety right now as well too right 
No. It's to, yeah. to, to me, to me, it's very similar in that cause effect that you see with trusted organizations are very quick to say, you should trust us, but they oh, rarely if yeah. ever extend trust down through the like genuine trust down through the organization to the folks that we might call a practitioner or the folks that we would call on the coal face, right? That trust doesn't exist. It's a one-way street in, in that world. And so I think in voice, most organizations, whether they say speak up or not, operate a one-way street of voice. I will speak down to you. You can speak up and you should, but I'm just not listening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, every time, every time the uh, psychological safety words being used to me, um, yeah, I get a little bit of reflux. Same. And, you know, when I've run a learning team, um, they talk about, oh, how are you going to build trust? I said, well, rule number one, I listen. Yeah. <laughs> rule number two, I give them the capacity to engage. Rule number three, I respect their view. Rule yeah. number four, so if you want rules, I've got a set of rules that I follow. <laughs> you yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and, and so well, how do we prepare our people? And I said, you don't. Okay, because doesn't matter yeah. what you put in writing to them, they are going to come into that room skeptical of because course. of how they've been treated. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and I'm expecting people to start from all different places. Yeah. Okay, my job as a facilitator is to do that, is to yeah. see that and support people, and they are shocked. But then what they because they say, oh, you're not, you're not going to get any information out of these guys. These guys yeah, are just, right. you know, I love that. too hard, too tough. <laughs> yeah. I said, look, that, that's fine, mate. I said, I'm coming in the room. I don't I don't need a strong light bulb. I don't have a rolled up piece of newspaper. I don't have all those techniques that you've been using. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just coming in to get them to start sharing stories. And, and one of the things that I do, um, Sam, which is really interesting, Behind me, if there's like a whiteboard or I have a big piece of paper behind me, I just put up the four Ds in a quadrant and my name alongside it. That's it. Yeah. And everyone's coming and they start looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, it's your, I think you're, you're talking about growing um, the, the big C word that we were just using about before there a little bit. You're starting to pique some curiosity, right? But yeah. then on, as a facilitator, you're demonstrating listening and true curiosity. Right, which I think that I find in organizations, a lot of employees haven't necessarily experienced someone that is genuinely curious about how stuff actually gets done. Well, right, it's so been bashed out of them by rules. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so when 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 they feel that, and you can feel that when someone's genuinely curious about what it is that you do for a living, right? You can feel that, and and it automatically starts to build that bridge for you, right? You start you start kind of putting those bricks into that bridge. Start for me, starting with curiosity, and I, I really appreciate your rules to that to that point, right? Um, but it's it's extending that curiosity and saying, no, like I'm really just genuinely curious about what it is that you that you yeah. guys get to do for a living. I think it's neat. Like explain it to me, and I found I find that almost always, as you said, everyone has stories. I think a lot of times folks in organizations are just waiting for someone to to be genuinely curious and want to listen. Mm -hmm. They open up as soon as they're like, wait a second, you're curious and you really want to know, this is new. This is new for me. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. So we were working with a bunch of guys this this, this week um, and, and they do work um, you know, in a, like a naval shipyard. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there were some organization to see there were some issues around bullying harassment okay yeah um so we 
brand law learning team. And the guys that you know, were there for like 90 minutes. And we came back for the second session a couple of days later. And we'd taken all the themes from the guys, you know, and put it into the 4D model for them. Yeah. And put all the stuff in all sticky notes. And the guy said, wow, is that all the stuff that we shared the last time? Yeah. Wow, we had no idea we had shared that much. And they were taken back. Yeah. Because all they were doing was sharing stories. And all we're seeing are the themes that were coming from those stories. And then we started to ask them to give us some clarification. And you could just see everything was just changing for them. Yeah. And you could just see how they just started to relax because listening was now moving to deeper understanding. Yeah. Because the first thing just wanted them to get stuff out. Yeah. Okay. Because we're doing, you know, sense making. That that's ultimately what we're trying to start with in, the, in that process. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting. And then during one of the breaks, one of the safety guys walked in and looked at some of the things on the on the, on the board, and you could see that he went into react mode not respond mode. Yeah. And I remember something that Rob Fisher told me. And I said to the guy, just pause, just tap the finger on your wrist. And now have a look at it. Just have a pause, just have a little breathing. And share with me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's this whole thing that we spend all this time reacting. So this person just picked out one thing and personalized it to him. And in this case, what the workers were saying is that these things that they're called JCAs or these, you know, pre what's the name things. Yeah. Yeah. That it's all done. They have to fill them in off a job card. It has to get two other signatures. They then go down to the job and they find out the job card and the job is totally disconnected. You've got to go back and rewrite an entire new JCA and then find get that approved by two other people. Like, where's the madness? Where's the madness? <laughs> Unfortunately, common, but yeah, exactly. And and, yeah. and the end result is madness, which is common. <laughs> yeah, and that was causing, so in this environment, they got multiple contractors working on multiple things. And it was creating the environment for bullying and all those things to be present. Yeah. Because now yeah. they're under time pressure. So, so you know, I, I just go back to it. But, you know, I'm trying to say the organization, the system is creating the environment. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, no, 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 people are being bullies. I'm saying you, you are, the system is taking the margin out of the person. Because we all have the uh, capability to, I say going postal, but we have that capability of you know moving over our edge of reason and moving right. into reacting. Yeah, of course. So what you're seeing is reaction. Yeah. Not responding. We need yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was really fascinating. So look, I That's... am super I'm super pumped. Um it's gonna be a great time. Super excited, never been to Phoenix. Oh, okay. We're gonna have fun. Yeah, I mean, we've got to get in early. We're going to have fun, and anybody that's coming, we're going to be doing some stuff after, right? We, I think, we're still hammering out what those plans look like, but 
we're gonna but there's gonna be a lot of community stuff we're just we're just gonna have fun it's gonna be a great time yeah and and i've topped up my medical insurance and life insurance <laughs> just <kidding>. uh, I'm <laughs> all... <laughs> it's all good and and looking forward to enjoying that sort of spring element of uh of, of phoenix as well <laughs> before it moves into super hot yeah and i just hope it'll be that... it'll probably be pretty decent yeah, but it'll be a decent dry heat. It'll, it'll dry probably be in the a... upper 80s. Yeah, but that's Always a dry heat, not Come a humid on, heat. If we, we... Always, yeah. <laughs> no, rarely. If you're if you're here during our uh monsoon season, yeah, then you can get a little bit of humidity. If you're here during a monsoon monsoon season, we get some haboobs, the, the really big dust storms. Yeah. Um, we get those from time to time around those storms as well. But that's usually about the only time you're gonna see much humidity. And uh, when I say much, it's not a lot compared to anywhere else on the planet, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, for us, it's much, you know, but yeah, you're going to, you're going to have a blast. It'd be sunny and beautiful and probably a touch warm, not hot, but warm. No, I think we can It'll handle that. Like, you know, uh, last month I was in Tampa with um, Todd and Jay and the risk was the iguanas falling out of the tree because it was too cold. So now I'll be getting <laughs> yeah. to Phoenix where it's going to be warm and hot. And the and the scorpions are coming after. Well, yeah. So you yeah you yeah you might see one and yeah, maybe. <laughs> Excuse me. Got all excited thing about scorpions. Choked myself up here. <laughs> <laughs> no. So you 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 could you could very well. So we've we've had a few here and there around the house. We have them every now and again. You know, um, you'll see some probably you know if, if especially if we go if we do get to go out and go jeeping anywhere, you might see some snakes. You might see some, uh, definitely some scorpions, maybe some tarantulas. Yeah, see some, love some a, very love large reptiles that like to wander around and eat all the all the below. You know, they like to munch mm -hmm. on those things, so you can find those here and there too. <laughs> we have a uh, some javelina that run around. We might see some javelina. You'll definitely spot some coyotes. So we got we got plenty of those as well. My favorite. So I'm, this is I know we're way off subject here, but my, my absolute favorite Arizona critter of all time is the Roadrunner, though. Love seeing oh, the roadrunners. Yeah, so you might wow. get to spot a roadrunner here. Oh, That's I'm always a blast. That. Yeah. But yeah. so I guess what I'm saying is there's a ton of stuff to do for folks coming out. You know, the great thing is I, I shared with you and Jay the other day, I went down and walked down the venue and checked out the area that it's in. There's a lot of great stuff down there as well. The right, you know, food nearby, great hotels nearby for anybody that's traveling out here. And so just a, it's, it's the, the, I don't know about you. I don't know about everybody else out there listening. The conference is what draws me to something, but I like to explore the surrounding areas too while I'm in town. You know, for me, I'm fortunate this is my backyard, um, but there's plenty of that. So there's there's plenty of that. So folks that aren't necessarily familiar with Phoenix, I would share with them to not be fearful. Phoenix is a really fun place to come hang out. And and what's the local delicacy? What's 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 the thing? What what's Phoenix famous for in terms of food and in terms of beverage? Well, you have to go. Obviously, we're 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 in Arizona, we're Phoenix. We we have in my opinion, and I'm going to get a lot of hate here. Okay, I'm going to get a lot of a lot of hate here from friends in Southern California and from friends in Texas. But I think as far as stateside Mexican food goes, Phoenix is probably it. We have this great Sonoran kind of based cuisine. Wonderful. Um, you obviously have that. Um, there's Phoenix is odd in the sense that everyone that I've ever met, other than I can count on probably one hand, maybe, maybe two, but I'm thinking one hand of all the folks that I know in Arizona that are actually from Arizona, like born and raised here. So at least in Phoenix, Phoenix is a city of transplants. 
So Phoenix has an amazing melting pot of culture. So there is anything. I mean, you can really find a pretty good quality of just about anything that you would want <laughs> at some place in the Valley. So if you're coming to Arizona, though, I have to always direct people towards Navajo tacos because that mm-hmm. is the state food of Arizona. If you're familiar with fry bread, I mean, they basically oh, yeah. this yeah. kind of taco on top of fry bread. And for me, I will tell you, it is a fat boy's dream. It's wonderful. Um, it's almost, taco yeah. meat and fried bread <laughs> and cheese and a minimal amount of vegetables, which is nice, and some taco sauce. And you can dress that up however you want to. That's always a have to go to must if you've never had one of those, because again, it it is it is the state food as far as beverages go. There's tons of microbreweries. There's several distilleries kind of around the city as well too. I mean, it's just really anything you want to get into. Oh, I'm, I'm super excited. That's gonna be that's gonna be so good. Yeah. I, and our food truck scene has been really growing lately too. So I will share that with folks that there are some excellent restaurants. But if you're into the food truck stuff. There are some amazing, amazing food and coffee trucks that float around. Oh, look, I, I absolutely agree because, you know, I mean, the, the artisans, those those food trucks mm. aren't what we used to think, you know, they're now artisans. No, yeah. it's magic. It's magic. Yeah. yeah. It's it's magic in a in a in a package delivery truck. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> it's magic. That's it's right. absolute magic. That's right. <laughs> so I think for our so, listeners. It just, um, yeah, so, so, Go ahead there. That's right. I think for our listeners, um, uh, probably uh, a thing for them, you know, with the with the program we're going to be running, it's going to be over two days, and mm-hmm. we've created a series of themes from those from those two days, and there's going to be a lot of organic element across that. So we're not powerpointing you to death. Okay, there's no keynotes. I think, as you said, Sam. We're going to be taking those things. We're going to be exploring those things through different lenses. We're going to be, you know, talking about, you know, the barriers. We're going to be really getting into the guts and the soul of it. And, you know, I am super hopeful that everyone will walk away with a call to action. Yeah. Well, and I I think that's going to be some of the magic sauce in, in our little get together for sure. Um, and I know there's a, a, a large conversation happening around this, but I, I know the things that I end up focusing on from day to day. I know the, the folks that you spend time with and the things you end up focusing on from day to day, Jay, as well, all of, I, I, I'm speaking for me, but I'm assuming this is probably across the board with our little group of folks. Um, everything that I end up doing day to day is we're talking, how do you actually operationalize these things and make them sustainable? So to your point on, on call to action, we're not talking lofty kind of just theoretical no. stuff. We we're talking experience and conversations on how you actually bring this stuff to life and keep it alive within your organization for the long haul, right? Which I think is important. I think it's important. I, I know that's what so many folks are looking for out there. And so if that is something that they're looking for, this is definitely a conversation you want to be a part of, right? I mean, this is this is exactly that. It's 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 operationalizing these concepts and making them sustainable. Because again, I think that the the latter is a part that often gets overlooked in organizations. So as we start to talk sustainability, I think that's, a, again, one of those themes that's highly valuable. It's going to be an amazing conversation during our, our get-together. And I'm hoping to zoom in some special international guests as well. Yeah, super surprise, super secret, right? We, we're Absolutely. keeping it a little super secret. 
Yeah, but but they all be able to share. They'll share with the group some of the little journey themselves and some things that's worked well for them and, yeah. and that change. So I'm super excited that uh, we'll be able to bring those people in um, as, as well. So it's yeah. going to be a true, it's like United Nations of um, hot people. So it's, it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's I love that. So that's that's a that's just another reason, right? Be there, be square, be there and miss out, right? You never know who I, might uh, <laughs> might pop in on the screen. Yeah, and and we'll try and bring some merch. You know, that's that's it. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Well, speaking speaking of which, I've uh, I don't have one on right now, but I posted a picture that I ordered some of the that 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 wacky Ramones logo thing that we pulled together. <laughs> with the bat and the safety shouldn't suck in the eagle and her names on it and I, I posted about that I, I need i need to keep putting it out there but i am in the process of trying to give away some of these t-shirts so any folks that uh if you go find that post on my linkedin you can share that and get entered to win one of those teachers again selected at random i'll reach out to you for your address and you folks can get some merch beforehand too which is which is kind of neat so and plus merch at the event which would be kind of cool I think we need to do like an on tour shirt and we'll just do different cities on the back so, yeah yeah we'll, hey, to start, we'll, we'll just start, we'll start striking I'm, them off as we hit them yeah yeah well look i mean <laughs> it look like a absolutely. like a tour t-shirt <laughs> yeah and you know and i think you know once again i'm, I'm up there uh the week before i'm i'm up at Banff with um energy safety Canada, which is fantastic mm-hmm. uh doing a keynote um the day after todd and and once again the the appetite the appetite from senior safety people just wanting to learn from everyday work has just exploded absolutely yeah you know this this time a year ago yeah 80 months ago people saying how do i do investigations differently mm -hmm. it's exploded we're now on this other continuum which is how do i learn from normal work yeah yeah exactly it's it's awesome to see it's awesome to see that explosion of growth because, and again, as they've, as they've started to maybe shift that understanding and move towards trying to explore normal work. And as we were kind of talking, I know some of some of what I plan on kind of talking about as we get together is this kind of sense of extreme operational curiosity. Um, and as that curiosity grows, as operational curiosity grows, and then they start to try to tinker with some of this stuff, and then they start to get a taste of, as we were kind of mentioning before, and then it kind of catches fire, and then they, they, they really want to go down that path of, okay, I need a bit of a framework here. I need to figure out how to make this sustainable over time, as we were just kind of talking about. Um, I, I think folks are starting to to really accept that, not only accept it, but desire it so much more than maybe our more traditional approaches, because the output that they're getting from it, from those techniques, is so much higher quality, right? We're, we're actually, under, we're, as we were kind of saying earlier, it's not, we're not necessarily seeking to always solve, we're seeking to understand. Right. And yep. that's such a difference, right? Going down this path of seeking true understanding or as close to understanding it as we can. Um, I've felt that explosion as you were just kind of saying as well. You're just kind of seeing this this massive growth in folks that are are wanting to go down this path more of seeking to understand through some form of curiosity around normal work, which is amazing. It's amazing to see. Um, I think as that I, I, from what I've kind of seen so far, I don't see that growth slowing down. Folks are start again starting to realize, like, wait a second, this is this is valuable. This is powerful. This mm-hmm. is this is not only different, but it's the, the output side of this is way different than what we're this can, or even to. even you and know, we shouldn't be scared of saying it. This can actually reduce costs. This this can absolutely. improve productivity. Yeah, 
I don't know why we're scared of these words. That this this has well, no. it's not the potential. This shifts safety from being compliance and a burden, and of being no value, to stepping up and becoming the potential of being a change maker. Yeah, and I, you know, dare I say, leading us towards innovation, right? I think that's that's the piece that I found really interesting because there's so much creativity that comes along with this stuff too, right? And drives us kind of towards more innovative approaches overall. And so to your point, I think there's, I, I can think of uh, multiple stories as I'm sure you can with various kind of learning team, learning exploration kind of stuff, right? Where you're, I've, I've heard these stories of folks where like, we started out with this learning team because we thought that this was the valuable thing that we should be looking into. And we found out that there wasn't a lot of learning in this particular thing, but we solved like three other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which, which was, which was, which was to your point, right. Kind of this idea that like, and it might've been completely not safety related, which is fine. Like that's okay. That's great. It doesn't better is better kind of in my book. Right. If, if we're creating efficiency, why not? Right. If, if we're creating quality improvements, why not? Right. It, it, again, safety might be the catalyst that might start us down that road or lead us to start even a learning team sometimes, but we've started on it just because it's in that safety bucket, but we find out that the learning is much farther away from safety than maybe what we assumed to begin with, but there's still something to learn there, right? And the great news is that operational change, that operational improvement, that operational excellence can be measured. Yeah. So for all those people out there that want to measure shit, come on down. Join us for two days. Right. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. I've, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. We'll get into probably a hefty measuring conversation at some point. Oh, <laughs> look, I, I love it. Which because, is great. You know, yeah, because the thing is, organizations want to measure. Yeah. Let's give them something that they can measure that creates value. You know, yeah. people say to me, "How can we stop? You know, reporting Treffer and." LTIs, MTIs, all the other stuff. I say, give them something they can measure that shows value. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so much of that conversation is you're, you're wanting to, especially when you're measuring, right? And if, if, if you're an organization that's really kind of hot and heavy with measuring things, they get, I think, not to divert us too far here, but they we get so focused on the measure itself that we don't think through the unintended consequences mm-hmm. of the measuring itself. Right. Yeah. And if you go back to even just the basics, maybe old school measuring is the thought with measuring is you want to drive those intended positive consequences, not the unintended ones. Right. So even even stepping that conversation back, but kind of behind this idea that well, all measuring is good measuring, that's clearly not the fact. Right. Backing up to stuff that may might be more meaningful and drives us towards the things that we hope to actually see occur in our work worlds while trying to minimize those unintended consequences. I don't know that we have that unintended consequences conversation enough. We're clearly having it well still going on out in the open around stuff like measures around zero and in our world. I think for you guys, it's TRIFR. For us, it's TRIR. Um, yeah. Same thing, right? Basically, yeah, but, the but same these, thing. These, we're still having these, that conversation yeah. a little bit here and there. I, I don't think zero is going to go away. I just think it's been... No. Well, I mean, my, my, my concern is we're going to move away from the concept of zero to the concept of are constantly caring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to replace well, one th- bullshit think... four-letter term with another bullshit four-letter term. Unplug, plug in. Right. Yeah. I think that yeah. you have that right where then 
even with zero, I mean, I think to have an honest conversation around zero, I think that even folks that are zealots in the opposite kind of anti-zero folks, right? I think you still have to acknowledge that zero in itself is a noble goal. Um, I think you have to couple that with the idea that it's probably a really crap measure because it drives us to, towards silence. Right? Yeah. But you've got to you've got to have an honest honest conversation about those things, to where you know so much of the conversation I've had around air quotes here for anyone that's listening. Um, I do a lot of air quotes, so I feel the need to to say that every time I <laughs> wave my hands around. Um, but so much of what I've kind of had a conversation around is that we don't need a new yardstick, and we don't really need an, we don't need to take our old yardsticks and kind of bedazzle them. And glue like cool yeah. fancy fake diamonds on them and make them look better or seem like they're better. What 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 I find organizations kind of desire to move towards is this idea of a sight glass more than a yardstick, a way to be able to peer into as we we're talking normal work. So much of exactly what we're talking about, right? I need a looking glass, not a measuring stick. I mm-hmm. want to be able to peer into operational reality without upsetting it through goals, targets, and hard measuring. I think that's a really interesting conversation to have that's kind of happening. I know, I don't know that that's happening a lot out in the open currently, but I know a lot of organizations are having that conversation of how do we go from hard measures to seeking to understand this kind of, kind of yeah, the same place I, where we've been talking, right? How do yeah, I create yeah, a sight glass into the machine? And, and I think, Sam, all, all those things are actually, um, I've been doing some, one of the organizations I've been doing some work with, they've recently gone through the ISO. 45001 audit with um, and learning teams. Okay. And, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, measurement, because, you know, measurement's part of ISO, it talked about that measurement can be performance-based, but measurement can also be Mm evaluative-based. Now, when you ask people what does evaluative mean, they look at you blankly. Because we've been used to driving everything through a performance-based measurement system. But our standards, these things that exist, say so it can be evaluated. So, you know, I've been doing a lot more work recently and actually being able to bring those two worlds together so that we can say we've done uh, X number of engagements with our front line. These, yeah. these were the key risks that were able to evaluate during those engagements. Here were the themes that came from those engagements. Here were the learnings that we gained. And here were the um, changes or improvements that were put in place. Yeah, if you want to measure shit, you you can measure it. And and I'll tell you what, if someone senior up saw that, what they're getting is context. Exactly. And what senior leader can say is they can now be curious and say, what more can we do to support good work? Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. I think that's where, you know, so much of our kind of historic measures, we've they've been purposefully devoid of context, right? We've tried to, through simplification, mm-hmm. bring them down into something that's one or a zero, black or white, red, yellow, yeah, green. Color, arrow, right? this up, kind of idea down, of like, yeah. um, up, down good, bad, right? It's good or bad. There's, 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 there's nothing in between. And I think a lot of where I find um, organizations that are kind of maturing on their journeys, at least moving towards is, whoa, like, let's do the opposite of that. 
let's try to add as much meaningful, meaningful context mm -hmm. into our, into our measures and that we, as we can, uh, because without context, they're meaningless anyways. It really doesn't tell me anything, an up arrow or a down arrow without a, a good dose of context tells me a whole bunch of nothing usually, right? It usually makes me panic over the wrong things, right? Yep. It usually makes me react poorly sometimes to the right things. <laughs> and it, it it's it's a roadmap that a lot of times leads us in, it misguides us, right? Because there's no context to allow us to actually interpret sure. what we're looking at. So I think that idea that, that to your point exactly, is I feel like a, a lot of, again, a lot of organizations that are maturing on their journey and now kind of looking to say, okay, because uh, what I've seen with organizations that have started maybe from their the infancy of their hop journey towards maybe kind of their their mid level right and those would probably be more our more senior hop organizations yeah. now are probably somewhere somewhere I'm just again loosely saying let's just say three to five years in on their journey right um, now they're to the point to where when they first started they kind of stripped all of that out and now they're kind of growing to the point so but maybe we should do something there. Mm -hmm. Right. They're kind of getting curious about okay, how do we actually how do we actually measure or look mm -hmm. into this stuff a little bit more effectively? And now the conversation is exactly that. It's how do we how can we do that while inserting enough context into that that it's actually that actually makes some sense to us? That it actually yeah, tells it's us useful. useful. And again, and I think that's a, that's a, it's useful to us. Yeah, and particularly there's, you know, there's a there's a huge conversation happening there right now. Yeah, and, and remember that that measurement um, needs to give meaning across the organization. So that measurement needs to give meaning to the people that face the risk in the front line. It needs to give meaning to those that are having to supervise or team lead. And it needs to give meaning all the way up to those uh, key stakeholders, those, those directors, those governors who, who are there to set direction. I don't right. know how they're getting right. that now. Yeah. Well, and so I, I know, again, and we were talking, I think this feeds into a bit of sustainability too, but we're talking in the past kind of as they first start down that road, the first thing they do is start kind of undoing a lot of the things that are, are they feel are harmful in the organization currently. Mm -hmm. So you'll typically see kind of air count clocks and TRR measures and obviously incentive bonuses and stuff related to those things start to go towards the trash can, which is probably probably the right direction for some of those things to go. Um, because a lot of those things, if there is even a thought of fixing them, they're usually so, uh, there's so much retribution that's been associated with those, sure. those things that it's hard, you can't really rebrand or redo at that point. So that's kind of gone in, into the dumpster. Um, some of the the clocks that used to hang on walls are usually drug out in the street and beaten to a million pieces and then set on fire <laughs> and then into the dumpster. <laughs> um, but then they find themselves back to where we're just saying, of going, okay, now how do we build something that's meaningful? Right. So I think it's, it's, it's back to that important question as we were just saying that what, what's truly meaningful. And I think you'll see at least in kind of more of the hop safety differently school of thought um, you see folks skewing towards, okay, how do we ensure the presence of positive things within our work worlds, the things that we know help to assure that work typically goes well or generates capacity or margin for us to fail safely. So I've seen some organizations going towards this idea of, okay, how do we ensure um, critical risk management, critical risk controls, which is a piece of that, right? That doesn't, that doesn't really help us in things that might completely bypass our systems of management, mm -hmm. right? That might just kind of whoop around the system. Um, but then also to your point on engagements, that's one that I've seen quite a bit start to pop up is, you know, how often are we doing pre-event learning teams? Are we doing learning teams after events or operational upsets? 
Um, how are we gaining insight into normal work through curiosity? How, how are we doing those engagements? What's what? Where should that kind of be for us? So with those thoughts, I've also seen that there's not been hard targets or goals kind of placed on those things back to it being more of a looking glass rather than a yardstick. I haven't seen a lot of those organizations start to set those kind of hard and fast goals like they did with more traditional measuring and performance-based measuring where it was like, well, the magic number is 20. So if you don't get to 20, it's bad. If you get above 20, it's great. It's pizza, right? So I haven't seen that come back as much, as much as I've seen it kind of go in this direction of what's meaningful, what do we need to make sure is happening? How do we make sure that that's there? How can we peer into that yeah. and ensure that that's there? Yeah, I think, I think that, that's a really important shift in around what measurement Look, it is. is. Because, you know, in my work in risk management, you know, we, 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 we talk about that if the organization is having to tolerate risk, meaning it's not prepared to accept it, but also, it's also not prepared to make it unacceptable. So it's having to tolerate it. Then when you tolerate risk, you actually have to have what we call a, a plan, a risk treatment plan that is actively looking for opportunities to do more. Yeah. And what I've always said, particularly with critical risks, where is that plan? Yeah. And I get this blank look, or, or I get shit like um, observations or audits. No, 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 no. No, that, that is, a, is a, a, a mitigation on what you've right. put in place. No, no, I'm asking for the stuff that comes after. Yeah. And they look at me blankly, and I think that's the opportunity, particularly around critical risk. What is our plan to find those opportunities to do more? Not fix it, because that's, that's not what it's saying, because organizations should be saying um, there, 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 are, there are always going to be a lot of jobs out there, Sam, where there is always going to be an uncontrolled element of that risk that can lead to a life-changing event. Sure, yeah. Okay? So when, what do we look for the opportunity to, to do more? And I think that's the key thing. And, and I think there's, there's two parts of it. There is, you know, getting, getting that engagement at the front line, because by nature, those work teams are creating informal systems to deal with that gap. They're not sitting back and saying, oh, I can't do anything about it. Okay, right. they're creating informal yeah. systems. So there is an opportunity to understand that informal system and to evaluate it and bring it into the system. So isn't that amazing if you do that? It, absolutely, yeah. Then there's the other side, which is how can we change the work design to reduce that risk? Yeah. So when I look at it, I'm saying there are some ways we can do it now. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I'm super excited. And just, just so the audience knows, None of this um, uh, conference, it's not a conference, it's scripted. Okay. Conference, not a conference. Yeah, none of it's scripted. <laughs> the not a conference conference. Like we, we haven't <laughs> sat down and said, you're going to do this 30 minutes, I'm going to do that 30 minutes. We're just going to roll. So <laughs> it's, it's the We're madness is going to yeah. be amazing. The madness will be amazing. Well, 
people are always uh, uh, at first they're disappointed in my slides until they realize that I, I try my best just to have a conversation because I don't know how your slides end up, Brent, but mine always end up just being random pictures of things that I thought were funny to put on slides because I don't I tend to not put words yeah, on slides I, anyways. I like to roll. I like to roll. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I put a few keywords in. Um, I, over here, um, the, the regulator in New Zealand um, uses uh, meerkats in its campaign um, for some mm -hmm. reason. So my opening slide is, yeah. is, a, is a bunch of meerkats. And I basically said, um, what happens if the meerkats stop being curious? And the audience say, they die. Yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so why are you You know, you realize, you realize that you just gave, you just gave potentially thousands of people their next safety meeting message, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a so, good one. So I say to them, why are you stopping workers being curious? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Stay away. Side note, right? <laughs> to put a, note. To put a <laughs> disclaimer on your slide to stay, stay away from your cats. But you know, what's funny what I was, what I was thinking about is I, uh, and I, I I do construct real slides from time to time. There's a lot of these presentations that I'm giving where I just I get I just put random random mm -hmm. pictures on the slides so there's something behind me. But uh, I still get people that ask me for copies of those slides, which is which is the best part. Like, yeah, if you, hey, if you want the random pictures well, from the Grand Canyon? I took this well, a couple of years ago. Absolutely, that's um, a total <laughs> commitment from me. Any slides, you know, that people want to see, I'm happy for them to have them. Not a not, not yep, a drama. Same here. Yeah. 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 Same here. Yeah. And I don't know how that you feel, Sam, but I, I am more than willing for those that come along and participate. I am more than willing to um, get involved in a couple of virtual Zoom follow-ups with yep. the group. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's something that we need to maybe plan on doing as a group. Maybe you, me, and yep. Jay together, maybe post. And again, not 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 to dissuade any of those one-off conversations because I'm right there with you too. I know you do this. I do this. I'm sure Jay does it as well. There's so many Zoom calls. I jump on with people just for that exact reason. Just and they're always surprised that you're willing to give them 15 or 20 minutes of your time, which always baffles me. I'm like, well, I'm just this back to being fun. I do this because I, I really enjoy it. <laughs> I'm here to here to help. Um, I think that we should probably plan on doing that after the conference at some point, just getting yeah. that group back together after we've had some time to reflect, right? And and have a have a little hour long virtual get together or something would be would be great. Yeah, I'm I'm open to it because you know I, I'm still I'm always in learning mode. Yeah, I, I, I'm yeah, going there. Same. I'm I'm flying God is fifteen hours to come to learn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. And well, you got to throw in and maybe go on a four wheeling adventure through the desert, and we'll get your picture next to a saguaro cactus. Yeah, we'll and to... some and some empty brass around <laughs> me. <That's... laughs> we'll go. We'll go. We'll go. Uh, we, I don't. I don't know. Um, I was gonna say we. I might have to put a disclaimer, but um, we could go coyote hunting. Sorry for anyone out there that's anti hunting. <laughs> We we have a, we have an exorbitant amount of coyotes that must be dealt with in Arizona. Just FYI, look it up. Google. Yeah, no, no. We got uh, lots uh, of coyotes. Same thing in, in our country. <laughs> things like possums are, um, you know, are a pest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
and and calling yeah. as normal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's tons of fun stuff that we'll get to do there as well. I, are, I don't think we mentioned it, but we're we're bringing books too, right? That's part of the, yeah, yeah. It, 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 part of the conference. We'll have books. That, that is part of the vicious rumor, um, books. And yeah. I'm also uh, organizing some resource packs as well. So so nice. you know we, we've been working on some. I don't want to use the word tools because it's not not a tool. Some some little frameworks. So, you know, people just, just recently, um, you know, workers love the 4Ds. They love the engagement. Um, we've just built a little um, infographic for safety leaders to do a 4D safety conversation for the front line. Nice. Yeah, because... So tons, tons of resources with this as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and, and we're not saying, so, you know, a, a tool is you follow the set method. No, it's not what we're saying. <laughs> but right. we're saying these are the six six critical things around exploring, creating curiosity in the front line that yeah. workers relate to and engage with. Gives you gives you a really uh, a, a really solid starting point, right? I think that's that is the that's whole idea. The, the key for because, a lot of leaders just need to just give me a starting point. Give me give me a bit of a framework that I can understand, and yeah. I can run with it from there. Yep. Yeah, and and the funny yeah, thing is, awesome. and, and this is this is you know what I like about people like Rob Fisher. Rob Fisher says that if you give leaders a method or a way to do that, workers will see that and will start to use a similar method because yeah. leadership is actually leading by saying this is how I lead. So workers start to realize, yeah. okay, well, actually being curious and asking these types of questions, that's how we roll. Yeah, that, that exactly, exactly. It, that's again, that's that's so much of as we start to uh, as we continue to talk about operationalizing these kind of ideas and these techniques, and as we talk sustainability, that's ultimately the point that of growth that we want to get towards, anyways, right? That's just how we do business, right? That's that's yeah. just that's just how we do things, you know. And that's that that's kind of that output side that you're trying to achieve towards, right? Is that's just how we do business. We, we do it. With a healthy dose of curiosity, as one yeah. as one example, right? we, d- we don't need 4D banners coming off right. the thing or the TV <laughs> screen saying yeah. "Here's been the number of 4D conversations today." Okay, please, you know, don't go there. <laughs> I think I think what I, what I see is if is if those things kind of I'll break them apart. I think if those things kind of naturally emerge. So I'll give you an example. I was I was doing some sessions in an organization that were they were early on in their hop journey back then, and they had this uh, one of their things that they put out was like their main graphic that was plastered on everything was basically you are responsible for your safety. That was like their whole right. campaign, right? And I walked into several different conference rooms. I mean, all across this organization, and every board they had developed like their underground slogan. At the front line, which was we together safely. Yeah, that was their thing and completely not corporate approved. That was not the campaign. The campaign was you are responsible for your safety, Mm -hmm. you know, and if something happens, you are responsible for not being responsible for your safety. And then that had kind of naturally emerged from the front line. It's like, no, wait a second. We do stuff together safely. (laughs) That was kind of kind of their thing. And it kind of naturally emerged. So I guess where I'm going with that is that I think there's two different things. There's the forced kind of aspect 
of going down this path of like, and what happens when we do that, we slap 4D. It can be anything super awesome, amazing. It could be the best thing since sliced bread, right? But if we try to force it and just slap it on the wall through safety propaganda, it doesn't really do anything positive. <laughs> and a lot no. of times people just view it as the next, they're like, oh, here's the next flavor of ice cream. And next week we'll get, uh, we'll get strawberry. This is this, this chocolate this week, we'll get strawberry next week. <laughs> yeah, look, I've already been asked. Can so I, I think I you do some... see some of that naturally emerge, people kind of putting stuff up here and there. But yeah. if you feel the need to force it through a banner or a slogan or a t-shirt, it's probably the wrong roadmap that you're using. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, I, I mean, yeah, it's that whole tribalism. Speaking of which, I, I've just done a new T-shirt design. I'm creating a, a series of zero things. And the first T-shirt basically says it's been zero days since I blamed and punished a worker. Nice. So you're you're bringing so you're bringing some of this merch with you though, right? Isn't that some I'm of the idea? For the yeah, 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 yeah. With you? Uh, after your because can, can you touch on the story of 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 some of the stuff that you're making? Because you were sharing it with me the other day a little bit, and it sounded awesome. Yeah, yeah. So so we actually, um, I think two things, Sam. One was when we were up at Camper uh, at the Saturday Application Conference. Everyone wanted Learning Teams merch, and we're saying, well, we don't freaking yeah. make it. We just, you know get our stuff on and put a label on it. So everyone said, you know, where can we get the merch? Yeah. And then talking to you about what you were doing, I thought, okay, all right, well, let's give it a crack. So we set up a website yeah. called um, safetydifferentlymerch.com. And yeah. we've come up with a series of, um, we're called Hop 5. So the five principles of Hop. We've come up with the 4Ds um, range of merch the um, hot, the uh, learning teams range of merch and the Trojan mouse range of merch. Yeah. And I'm just I'm particularly fond of the Trojan mouse. The tro yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got <laughs> great design, great graphic. Um, and I suppose that tribalism that exists, we've come out with a range of patches, embroidered patches that people can, you know, add to their uh, yeah. clothing if that's what they want. But I was also thinking, yeah. you know, what I've been working on, and, and I got some stuff from Rasmussen, and we're doing some other, you know, blue line, black line, all that sort of stuff. And, and and some of it is just, you know, taking the piss. Some of it is more serious, but it's okay. But I was inspired by this notion of zero. Why don't we give an alternative zero? Yeah. So anyone out there who comes up with a really good zero concept that we can turn to merch, they'll get a free t-shirt with it on it. Okay. That's awesome. And so, and so much you, of, so you, much you of the stuff. Top so, shelf. Yeah. I got that inspiration from you. Okay. You got to, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and if, if I remember right, so your all your stuff is, is, locally New Zealand sourced, right? Isn't that a part of that too, that you guys are doing like? Uh, we, our, uh, our ones are, but we can't do that in the US. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. But yeah, so like yeah, you're yeah. like, you're, you're telling me something about like learning teams, polos or something that you guys are doing yeah, so or our, something. Our that was, polos, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember our, the exact conversation. Yeah. So, so all our product is either Merino wool, which, so we got a lot of sheep here. Okay. Yeah. And the nice yeah. thing about Merino, it's super fine. It helps self-regulate when it comes to temperature. You're not hot, sweaty. Um, or our polos were all 100%, you know, cotton, real cotton. 
no formaldehyde, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. So we're we'll gonna try awesome. and bring some I, of that so across. I, I look. I look forward. I, I look forward to. I, I hope. I hope that you do. I gotta. I gotta snag me some. Uh, snag me oh, some. No, I'm, I'm bringing, I'm bringing really. you some merch regardless. <laughs> you're, you're you're getting some merch regardless. People can find tickets out there. I know you can find them on my, my website. I'm sure you've got got some links out there. I know Jay's got them over on his site. Super easy to find tickets. If you just scroll LinkedIn for just a second, I think you can just type in hashtag safety worlds collide too, if you're wanting to find some of those. Absolutely. Uh, some of the t-shirt stuff. giveaways or tickets or stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. ViewStub View stub probably the super easiest way. If you just go to ViewStub and search the events. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to meeting a great group of people and Sam finally meeting you yeah. in person. It has been a long I time. I know, right? Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. That's my favorite part. I was just having a conversation this morning with somebody and we were talking about that, and this, that exact idea of kind of in our community, you get so close with people that you, you had never met in face to face, right. That you feel like you have just known for, you know, there's folks in this community. That I feel like I've known basically since birth yeah. <laughs> you get so tight with this kind of group in this community, this, this amazing community, this amazing and diverse community that we call the hop community or the safety differently community or what, whatever you, all, all of us, all of us wackos trying to do things a little differently. Right. Um, there's, there's, there's so many great people in it. And so any opportunity to get to spend time with folks that's not separated by a screen and a camera and lots and lots of miles is always, always a, uh, something worth taking because just getting together in a room, there's just power in that. There's just power in getting to spend time together and have these conversations face to face. Yeah, so look, everyone out there, take advantage of it. Come and join us for two days of madness and learning. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm yeah. super excited. It's going to be a blast. Welcome to Safety Differently Merchandise, the premium sponsor for the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. Our curated lines of inspirational clothing, headwear, cups, stationery and more, at Safety Differently Merchandise, is befitting of your Safety Differently journey. I am Arthur Taylor, Chief Designer. I have spent decades on Savile Row, and honored to bring my talents, for all fine purveyors and devotees of. Hop. Learning Teams. Safety Differently. Safety 2. And the New View. Please visit the store, and purchase our fine goods at safetydifferently.merch.com. And now, back to the show.